0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: Uh, Father, you are the strength of our life, so really we're not asking you to be anything other than what you already are and who you are. And now, Lord, we're exchanging our weaknesses and asking you now to be the strength of our life. And Father, we do this so that we would bring glory to you and that we would please you. Our desire is you through this. And so whatever you choose to put across the path of our week, we now want to recognize that you are the strength of our life. And Father, in some measure, may others see that and be turned to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Keeping with that same thought of the strength of our life, I'm sure that as you look at our notes today, we're going to talk about meekness. And those of you that have been with us on this journey of going through character traits from the Bible, using a different letter of the alphabet to uh, illustrate another character trait, that you see we're on letter M. But as you see the word meekness, some of you probably are saying, I've been here for this entire journey. And it seems like, Pastor, you're hammering us on this because you spoke on gentleness at G. You spoke on kindness for K., And now you are on meekness at the letter M. Are you thinking that we're not a gentle, kind, meek uh, group? And I have to tell you, I really do believe you are. I've had the opportunity occasionally to watch some of you in operation in times that other people probably would exude some stress and it would come out in a lack of gentleness, kindness, and meekness. But I do see that. On the other hand, as I would prepare for a message, I didn't throw this together this morning early. I've been really cogitating on this, asking God and doing the homework And I have to tell you, I have been overwhelmed over the biblical insights that I am getting on just the concept of meekness alone, let alone how those wed beautifully together with the character traits of gentleness and even kindness. And when I began to open up what the Bible had to say about biblical meekness, I came across that it was a very difficult word to even define from the original language. In addition to that, I found out that when I went through different translations of the Bible, that through those different translations, they chose to exchange the word meekness for other words like gentleness and humility and affliction and kindness and a host of other words. So even in that, it was difficult. But I think that as I went through the different ways to look at meekness, I still came across the uniqueness of the whole concept of meekness. And I'd like to share that with you, whether you're on the front end of this journey with the Lord or you're way outside the faith, you're going to find some things that might be very helpful to you as well. Well, just taking a few of the verses on meekness, I came across with some of the benefits and I had them printed for you so you could quickly follow along without having to fill in some of the blanks. And so you might want to look at these. And again, they might be in a different translation, the word meek in your Bible, but it still means basically the same. In Psalm 22:26 it says, "The meek shall eat and be satisfied." And from that I drew the application that meek people are not greedy people, so what they eat, they become satisfied quite quickly without having to be gluttonous and greedy and covetous. And then 25:9 it says, "The meek he will guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way." Now a little bit later on in this message, I want to show you how meekness actually fits in in having a relationship with the Lord as our teacher. But look at it here. That means that God chooses to teach you great truths for this life and the next should you choose to be a person of meekness. And then Psalm thirty-seven eleven says, "...but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace." That sounds very similar to, as it should, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, that says, "...and the meek are blessed and shall inherit the earth." And so you see it in Old Testament and New Testament, and that just reminds us again that the earth, obviously created by God, everything belongs to Him. He has given the world, the earth, to man to manage. Man blew it, so God kind of took some of that back. But God says to the meek that we will again rule and reign on this earth if you know Christ as your Savior. And there's a lot to say about that. Psalm 76 says, Thou didst cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still when God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth. Well, a few moments ago, I said that there may be some of you that are outside the faith and that there may be something in this message even for you. And I think this verse, along with others, might help you. And I'd like you to listen for just a moment to this thought and see if you would agree with it. And that is, in order for us to come to the Lord, to be a part of His forever family, God says that it's not by good works. It's only by placing our faith in Him. But sometimes to get us to the point where we're not going to then depend on our good works, we have to admit then that, hey, good works don't save us. We have to admit that our way of thinking we will get to heaven by doing all sorts of stuff has been wrong, that it's only by faith. It's also saying that, you know, I'm going to trust totally upon the Lord and Him alone. I need you. I am a sinner. I'm admitting that I'm separated from you. Now, that's what I just said. It's not of works. We have to admit that, that we've been wrong, that we're sinners. We need the Savior. All of that, when we come to an understanding, it's coming from a heart that is recognizing we're meek, We're lowly. We're humble. It's not about us. Salvation is of him and we need him. And that's how he saves the meek. So you can act meekly, you won't get to heaven. But when you, in your meekness, go to the Lord for your salvation, then God says, I'll save you by faith alone. And that's how meekness fits in. So you can step over the line by being meek toward the Lord and recognizing his way of salvation. And then it goes on to say in Psalm uh, uh, Psalm 147, it says the Lord lifts up the meek. Some translations will say humble, which would be part of the meekness experience. And then Isaiah 29, 19, I thought this was an interesting parallel. It says the meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord. Now why would that be the case? It's when we're meek, we're realizing that we can't accomplish all of this stuff, that whatever joy we're going to have is coming from the Lord. And now we go to the Lord, here's the phrase, who is the great giver, that He is the great giving one. And whatever He gives to us is great. So we humbly come to Him, and in its place, we are so filled with joy. But stay with me in that same verse. And it says, "...and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel." So you could circle meek and poor, that there is that attitude again of, you know, we're not great, we don't have pride, whatever we have comes from Him, and we rejoice in Him who gives us all things that we have, and we thank Him for that. Now I put down there that there are other synonyms for the word um, meek that are found in other translations, lowly, poor, afflicted, humble, all of that, that that might help you. But some of you might now still be coming against this message and saying, why are you talking to me about meek? I do think I'm a meek person. I do sense that I have humility. I do have lowliness. I do see others better than myself. So I put together five questions you might ask yourself to see that in your spirit of meekness, did we act meekly? And so see how well you could do. And uh, try not to think of a fellow mate and how they did on this, all right? Look at number one. Did my family and friends and classmates or colleagues, any one of those or combination, see me lose my temper this week? Now, um, I, I want you to know if you lost your temper... No one called me. I know of no one that's going to tell me that you've lost your temper this week. But in your own mind, is someone there that would know you would sense that, did you lose your temper? Did you have some harsh words? Did you throw? Did you curse? Did you get angry? Did you hit? Did you show any form of external display of anger? So did you lose your self-control? Next. Did I demand respect from my children or employees or someone else? In other words, you might be in a position of authority and now you're using that position of authority and you want people to, quote, look up to you and to respect you. Now, it's important for our children to respect us and it is important to teach them about respect. It's important that they learn the whole concept about respecting those that are in authority. But did we have to finally come to the point that we're hammering our kids to demand respect out of them? And maybe it's because we're not meek, and we'll learn about that. Did I verbally complain about how my authority figures treat me? Did I demand prompt attention or service at a restaurant or store? Now, maybe some of you work in the industry where people come to you, and you've had people that have not been very kind to you, that have been very angry with you. It's interesting how sometimes when I go to different places to buy something, I'm at the counter and I'm trying to make small talk to try to connect with them in some way and generally I'll ask a question. Well, how are you doing? Or how's sales on the island? Or how are pe- people treating you? I, I hope I can be one of your happiest customers right now. And it's interesting the comments I get back. They generally say, it's been tough. It's been tough. You wouldn't believe the customers. They're right. They don't do and, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, how they would be like that. And so I come back and I say to myself, Stan, you're a pastor. You're representing the Lord, your family, your church. Am I meek when I deal with other people or am I angry? Am I kind of attention starved and I have to have my way? And then finally, did I issue orders in a demanding way? And I think I'm pretty good at most of those except for number five. Sometimes because my DNA, my wiring system, I tend to be task-oriented. And not only task-oriented, I want to get that task done. So I try to push toward a goal. And sometimes I lower my people skills and I'm more about task skills. Now, in my heart, I know if we do the tasks right, everybody will be happy. But I sometimes leave bruised bodies behind me. And so when I have to work on personal meekness, it's generally in all areas, of course. But number five, am I requesting things from people, certain things to be done? Am I careful to be cautious and kind as I do it, especially because of my personality that has a propensity sometimes to want to be right and not afraid to tell you kind of thing. I'm sure you don't believe that. I know you're having a hard time, but just ask some of those people that are up close and personal to me. So this message on meekness is not just for you. It's for me and it's for everyone that's listening to us, but this is a very critical message. So let me give you some definitions, as difficult as it was, because it's just all over the map in Scripture, but Funkin' and Wagnall said that it means having a patient and gentle spirit. That didn't take a rocket science scientist noah webster had three different explanations for meekness it said softness of temper in other words you have an opinion you have a demeanor about you but there's a softness about here in the island we would say that you have the aloha spirit right he went on to say forbearance under injuries or provocation in other words you are meek when you are injured or when you're provoked Now, what's interesting to me is when I read the missionary biographies, not only of biographies, not only of those here in Hawaii, but other places. And often it will record how they're provoked, usually by unsaved people or political powers. Some of them are even injured to the point of death. And yet I see that their response has always been, let God take over. God is in control. And they try to respond in a Christ-like way. Now, I have to always couch that in because biographers, young people, sometimes when they're writing about a great figure, they don't always put in the negative about them, the times that they growled or something, if you know what I mean. But in most cases, those people were known for their sweet disposition. And I believe it's because they were filled with the Spirit and had meekness. And then Noah Webster said, a submission to divine will. Now, I know that's not in your notes, but I'd like you to think about that. And this is critical. So, folks, this is... If you want to know where I'm going with this message... I want you to know that gentleness and kindness is something we often do toward other people, which is important. But I find that it's not so much spoken about that we're to be kind to the Lord or gentle to the Lord. Now, it might be there subliminally, but here's what I do see in Scripture, that there is a connectivity with God and it comes from a person who is meek. So here's where I think that this whole concept of meekness ought to go to take us to another level. And that is that when we choose to become meek toward the Lord and allow Him to be the Lord of our life as a believer. And we are meek to learn of Him and to put ourselves under the Lord, His teaching and bringing glory to Him. That the Spirit of God begins to take over and now this spirit of meekness now will go out to other people. So true meekness is a submission to His divineness, to His divine will. So if you don't get anything out of this message and you want to take your temperature on how your meekness is, Instead of looking and clocking it toward other people, it might be, how meek are you to allow God to do anything He wants to in your life to bring you to another level? And perhaps our meekness with other people is really because of our meekness to the Lord. We say amen. But then it could be that when we're not meek with other people... It could be because we've lost our meekness with the Lord and we're really more angry at the Lord and not submissive to his divine will. Now, you think about that. Now, another one I'd like to give to you. Now, this one you don't need to write down. It will be a long one. And I'm going to ask you, I know you might be a little tired, you might be a little distant right now, but I'm going to read something to you from Vines Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words. The Greek scholar Vines did this. He took as much as he could, and he tried to put it into a paragraph for us to understand meekness. It is so rich, so juicy, and so helpful. So I'm going to read this to you, and I'll pause a little bit so that you can catch up with the thinking, so that you can follow along with your mind. Here's what he says about meekness. In its use in Scripture, in which it has a fuller, deeper significance than non-scriptural Greek writings. In other words, when it's used in scripture, it has more meaning than even in the general Greek language. It consists not in a person's outward behavior only, nor yet in his relations to his fellow men, as little in his mere natural disposition either. Rather, it is an inwrought grace, meekness, of the soul, and the exercise of it are first and chiefly upward towards God. It is that temper or spirit in which, here it is, we accept His dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing, that means we don't argue with God, and without resisting it, we allow Him to have His way with us. This meekness, however, being first of all a meekness before God is also such in the face of other men. Here it is. Even of evil men, out of a sense that these with the insults and injuries which they may inflict on us are permitted and employed by him for the chastening and purifying of his elect. Now, that's a big phrase. So let me say that very simply this, that when we are choosing to be meek toward other people, we are also to be meek toward the evil people that will inflict injury to us, assuming that that is permitted of God to bring character into our life, a cleansing in our life, so that we can bring ultimate glory back to Him. That's huge. goes on to say, It must be clearly understood, therefore, that the meekness manifested by the Lord and commended to the believer is the fruit of His power. The common assumption is that when a man is meek, it is because he cannot help himself. But the Lord was meek because he had the infinite resources of God at His command. Now stop for that. In other words, since God is meekness, he is meek, God, Christ, the divinity, he is that, he has all the resources of meekness in himself. Now, when we trust Christ as Savior, we are partaker of his divine nature, which now we have that capacity to be his meekness toward other people. That's huge, folks. But it'll only happen to those who meekly come to the Lord by faith alone and then allow God's meekness and his resources to help us to become meek. Let's come up for air for a moment. Some of you, I can assume, could have an employer, an employee or a colleague that might kind of ride on you a lot and might give you some difficulties. And it's easy for us to stand up and get angry and perhaps in our spirit of frustration even have a temper before them or behind their back. But true meekness then says... I'm recognizing that people that are placed in my life as an opportunity for me to dig into the resources of God to become meek, watch this, and to properly handle this situation in the proper spirit and disposition because I'm doing this in front of men but before God. And so it's kind of like a full circle back to him. Lastly, he says this. Describe negatively, meekness is the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. Now, I know that some of you that have been paying close attention in your mind, normally the logic would be are you saying then that I don't defend myself when someone comes against me, when there's injustices done to my children, my mate, other people, the poor, whatever? Well, later on in this message, you're going to see that meekness doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be weak nor dormant. But it does tell us how we're to properly, in the right spirit, come against injustices. So that we do it in the spirit like Christ. Well, just keep that in mind. And I'm going to give you a very simplified explanation of meekness. And this you might want to write down and then you can play with it yourself. So what is meekness? Being polite under provocation and pressure. I know I know, it's small, short, simplified, but just think about it. It just means being polite. If you're being polite, you'll act politely under provocation and pressure. So maybe that will work for you for meekness. Now how do you get all of that? The rest of the message I trust will help you. How many of you are doing all right so far through this? Are you all right? Lean into this because I promise you God brought this message to us today because coming is this monster of affliction to prepare us to see, did we really take ownership of this? All right, so how is meekness illustrated in Scripture? It had so many verses, so many situations, and I trust that you'll go back and study it more, but I'm going to try to give you two of them. First of all, it's through the life of Christ. First of all, Jesus was a meek teacher. Jesus was a meek teacher. Now, some of you say, well, I'm not a teacher, so that doesn't relate to to me. I would tell you that any time that you are going to give out information to help someone else learn something of influence, then you are teaching. Sometimes you will teach by your lips. Sometimes you'll teach by your life. But I pray that all of us are mature enough, whether spiritually or in our own social being, that we are here not for ourselves, but to do what we can to add value to others who would really want to learn. All right, so Jesus was a meek teacher and we too can be like te- like Jesus and be a meek teacher of others. Now look at the verse here. And this is another very rich passage. Jesus says, "Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden." And then he says, "and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me." You might want to underline that. Learn of me. So in other words, he's the teacher. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Now, you can circle that phrase. So he is a teacher. He's requesting those up of, of there that are labor and heavy burden, that they would come to him because his style of teaching is meek and lowly. And then he says, and you shall find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, let's stop there. Now I don't have time to unpack this in the Greek and I don't want this to be such a heavy message for those of you that are so, so new to your walk with God in the Bible. But I, I, I think you would get more technicolor and surround sound in this movie set if I could explain something about this passage. First of all, in the old Jewish customs, the the idea of the yoke, maybe I need to explain what a yoke is. A yoke is kind of like a piece of wood where you'll have one ox on one side, generally another ox on the other side. And what they're doing is they're using the strength of two oxen, like horsepower, and they're pulling a a, a wagon or, or something behind them. So you have the yoke. That was used as an educational term often in the Hebrew times because it was said that the teacher then would like you to be yoked up with him, the student and the teacher, yoked up together. And so what it's implying a little bit bigger than that is that the student is heavy laden with burdens of life and probably do not know how to deal with those burdens of life pragmatically. In other words, what do I do to solve that problem? To emotionally, how do I handle all of this stuff when I can't solve all these problems? Anyway, they're heavy burden with life and all that it takes. And the teacher then's responsibility is to help guide them. A parent's responsibility is to help them sort it out so their life is easier. But when it gets too much for them, here's how you handle it. So they're coming together. In fact, one Hebrew writer was talking about how that being yoked to the teacher was like taking your soul and putting it underneath your teacher now why am I telling you this Jesus was Jewish he was speaking to a Jewish community at that time of of people they knew that idiom so when he was saying come unto me all you that are heavy laden take my yoke upon you I am am meek and lowly and learn of me now here's where we're going with it they understand that whole concept of learning uh, uh, like discipleship even that word is found in the Greek in there here's where we're going with it alright We who are meek now are going to go to the meek one and the Lord says, I love you. I care for you so much that you're carrying a load. Put yourself under me. Let me be your guide. Put yourself under me and let me be the one to teach you. When you do, I'm going to take your burden on myself and together I'm going to show you how to lighten your load. How does he do that? By being a teacher who is very meek and humble and caring for the people that are around them. Now here's what's so interesting about that concept. There are some people that they're so covered with burden, so much problems in their life, they don't even know enough to go to the Lord. And that's where we come in and we point them to the way of the Lord and how special that is. So you have a meek teacher in Christ. You who are parents, you might want to assume that sometimes your kids are carrying a burden and maybe you'd like them to come unto you and you, like Christ, be that kind of teacher. Are you meek and lowly or is it going to be my way or the highway or I'm your parent, you've got to do it the way I said it? Now, there is a time that you have to be strong, but I'm wondering sometimes if hurting kids hurt other people. So think about that, about your meekness as a teacher. Our example is Christ, and he says, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. All right, Jesus is a meek leader. This is interesting, too. So those of you that are in a position of leadership, this is different than teacher. Teachers, you're imparting information. Leaders are just influencing by the decisions that they make. Now, let's go on. It says here, Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them... This is a very common story. This is like the week before Easter thing. But he says here to the disciples, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you're going to find a donkey tied. And go into the village opposite you, get that donkey that's tied, a colt with her, along with her, loose them, that means untie them, and bring them, both of them, to me. And if anyone says anything, to you shall say, The Lord has need of those. Then he says, And immediately... He will send them. All this was done to be spoken of by the prophets saying, tell the daughter of Zion, that means the people of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. How? Meek or lowly or humble and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. All right, now, you can leave that now if you will. Listen to this part of the story. I want to speak to all of you that have been allowed to be placed in a position of authority, whether you're deacons or you could be teachers or pastors or some of you that have people that are under you or in any position of influence, however you might have. Now, that's the concept of leadership of influence. Now, in this passage, it's talking about Jesus. Jesus is a king now. Now, we know he's a king. The Jews are looking for a king. But this is before he was setting up his rule. And so what he's really trying to do is to show as his kingliness at this point that he's a very humble and meek individual.
0: This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible.